The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, my name is Kathy Cheney. Um, it's nice to sit here with you all. I, uh, I occasionally come and, uh, and speak here at IMC and um, haven't been here in a little while, so it's lovely to be back. Um, sometimes I come on Tuesday mornings, uh, and I really like this group a lot. It feels, uh, it's a smaller group, and um, it seems a little relaxed, which is right for me. And uh, I am, I've been practicing uh, since about 2000, and um, primarily uh, at Spirit Rock and um, a little bit at IMC. And I, uh, I came to Spirit Rock as a, a part of the family program, uh, a volunteer, and I brought my daughter to, to the family program and, uh, and just stuck around and started doing retreats, sitting retreats, and fell in love with the practice. And... Um, and I was a teacher for many, many years. And at this point, I'm a retreat manager at Spirit Rock. I have been a retreat manager for a couple of years. And um, the last time that I spoke here was somewhere in January of this year. And then I uh, went and did a long retreat away from California and returned right at the beginning of April. And... Uh, and um, began managing retreats full throttle since the beginning of April, which ended two days ago. And I, man- I actually was a retreat manager for six retreats, opening and closing, six retreats. And I, the last one I just completed on Sunday um, was the monastic retreat. And I want to I just stop for a minute. I just want to ask, um, is anyone here new to IMC? Are you all pretty familiar with with the program here and have been have any of you um sat residential retreats or 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 familiar with spirit rock a little bit but at irc um well i just i just want i want to talk i was so inspired by the retreat um i I don't know that that if you're familiar some of you may be familiar with the tradition that 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 this is um, a Western center, and it comes the tradition of uh, the Theravadan tradition, which comes um, um, without going too far back in history. So this is sort of a, a Western, a Western center that comes from the, the Theravadan lineage, which is one of the lineages of Buddhism, and um, and this Insight Meditation Center, and. Um, uh, and uh, the uh, monastic retreat at Spirit Rock that, uh, that I just completed managing was taught by um, two Theravadan monastic teachers. Uh, one was a monk, Ajahn Suchito, and the other was a nun, Aya Maida Nandi. And, uh, and they, come, they come from some Theravadan lineage, and, and Ajahn Suchito comes from the Thai forest lineage of Ajahn Chah, I don't know if any of these names are familiar, um, but if you stick around, you'll hear them more. And then I made a Nandi. Uh, uh, some of her teachers were Burmese, um, and 
so it's it's if you if you have had any experience with monks or nuns, and they sometimes come and teach here at IMC, and uh, um, and you know it's 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 quite something. Uh, um, I didn't come up with any any real you know strong relig- religion um, in my family, so it was very new to me to have what's what's the real very much religious aspect of. Um, Buddhism, when um, which is religion, when I when I first started uh, going to monastic retreats and uh, and then have subsequently managed several of them, and um, so it's you know it's they have the robes and and their heads are shaved and um, and they follow very very um, specific rules of practice and and this is this this lineage. Um, uh, of the of the, this lineage of the Theravadan tradition, um, they they follow the rules um, very much from the time of the Buddha. They're very conscious of that. That's their practice. So they have their alms bowls, and um, they don't eat a meal after after one o'clock. So they so at this retreat at Spirit Rock, um, the monastics would would come down to the dining hall, and they're offered in their bowls the meals, and at Spirit Rock for this retreat, and this is the first time it's happened, there was um, nine uh, nuns sitting the retreat. And, uh, and it was quite something because we'd never prepared a retreat for nine nuns sitting, and there's very, as I said, very specific rules. And um, they, the, the nuns who were sitting needed a place to have their meals. They also had to be offered their food um, so there's a lot of logistics for our, our Western lay center, and um, and it was quite beautiful to to um, to do this, to learn how to do it, um, and and then it there was a, it was quite complex in the beginning, but as the retreat flowed on, it was a ten day retreat. We it just came together very beautifully, and. Um, and in the meditation hall, if any of you have been in the meditation hall at Spirit Rock, uh, the um, the nuns all sat. Um, the sitting nuns, <laughs> the retreat nuns, sat in the very front row, and um, and it was it's it was just it was so beautiful. And and I I was struck once again as the retreat manager, um, really inspired by what I what I find so inspiring um, in the monastic practice. And um, it's the practice of receiving, the practice of generosity, really, because, because uh, the Buddha set up this system, really, for the monastics to, uh, to, um, to be dependent upon uh, us, lay people, that, that they don't grow their own food, um, they, don't, um, they don't cook, they can't handle money, they don't drive, um, and so in order to really to survive, they need to be offered by the lay community, by us, and, um, and what we receive from, um, from them is the gift of the Dhamma, and the gift of the teachings, and, and that can happen either like this, you know, whatever comes out of their mouth, my mouth. Um, and it can just happen by um, how 
they move through the world, how they live their life. And it's not only monastics who can offer, who offer that gift of, of teaching uh, or just how we live our life as an expression of the Dharma. How, how do we do that? Um, so I, I, I am very expi- inspired as to how I see the monastic community do that. And, and uh, um, just a couple of, couple of little instances to maybe put, some, put a color on it. But uh, in the family program, uh, Ajahn Amaro, are you familiar with Ajahn Amaro? He, uh, are you familiar with him? He was, uh, is, is this okay if I talk a little bit about this? Is this interesting, I hope? Um, so north of, uh, in the Mendocino County, there is a monastery, a Baigiri Buddhist monastery. And it's been there, gosh, how long has it been there? I want to say f- going on 15 years or so. And two Western monks um, came and uh, uh, began this monastery, uh, uh, Ajahn Pasano and Ajahn Amaro, and they were the abbots. Ajahn is a... Is a is a title that can mean teacher, or one who has who has been a monk for a certain a monk or a nun for a certain amount of years, and um, so the monastery has a relationship with Spirit Rock and Ajahn Amaro, uh, um, English an English monk, and Ajahn Pasano uh, is from Canada, and Ajahn Amaro would come down every year. He's part of the family program at Spirit Rock, so that's how I first met him, and so. He would come down to uh, to the family retreat that we have in the summer. Uh, actually, will be in just a couple of months, and which a Spirit Rock is filled, you know, with a silent retreat center. But at that point, it's filled with families and songs and chalk and paint and children and laughter, and um, and the monastic presence. So it's Ajahn Amro, and he he may bring uh, one or two or three monks with him, and. Um, so I was a volunteer for the family program, and, and just it was the first time I was like, wow, check these monks, you know, this is something. And, and the children would offer into their bowls. They would come through the food line. It's very silent, and, you know, as Buddhists often do, they put their hands up in Anjali. It's very silent, and they go through the food line, and you just very, it's, you can just feel the practice and, you know, put the food in the bowls and, and Ajahn Amaro first and the monks behind. And then they would, they would get in a line and they would chant. They would do a chant of blessing and also a reflection on that this food is just for nourishment. And um, it's, it's beautiful if you're into that sort of thing. It's quite beautiful. Uh, for me, it was very inspiring. But, um, but in the morning, uh, Ajahn Amaro and the monks would have breakfast with the volunteers and yet they still need to be offered the food. They couldn't just go and put food on their plate because um, that's their practice. And uh, so there'd be sort of little scurries, we all remembered that we need to like, offer them their food because they're just sitting there, you know, like at the table and, and, and um, in, in the volunteer uh, um, yurt. And I used, to, I used to really love to go get some food and think, oh, what, what would they want, you know, and put it on the plate. And... And as I came and I would offer the food and hand it to him, and he would need to take it and I would need to let go. Um, and as I did that, I was just, it was so like just to see the look on their face of just 
thank you. It was so, but it was as if, like, they were totally in joy of receiving it, but had no expectation of receiving it at all. Now, you know, it's not, I mean, these are, per, these are human beings. It's like they're, they're, they're yes, a monastery and, and being a monastic is very conducive to, to, to moment-to-moment mindfulness, and they have specific practice. So it's not like they're not, as far as I know, not free of desire or wanting, but, but, they, but their practice is so developed and that practice of receiving that it's just as if there was no expectation, just this look of, of joy on, in receiving. And I encounter that again and again um, um, as I spend time with monastics is this receiving, um, just, just this open receiving. And I see how much that receiving is a gift to us. The, the, um, like I'm so appreciative of their gift of receiving what we have to offer. It's, um, it allows me, allows us, people, to offer and, and we... And what a gift to be able to give to another. Um, at the retreat I just managed, uh, the teacher, Ajahn Sachito, they, they have a wealth of, of uh, books that they leave out at the end of, retreat, of the retreat. And, um, and um, this is a book called Parami. And um, Generosity, Donna, is one of the, the, the ten paramis that, um, that are they're the perfections of the heart or what paramis are. And um, uh, as we practice, we see um, I, was, I could give you the, the many the, the paramis, I don't know if I can remember all ten, but it's, it's generosity, energy, um, um, renunciation, um, morality, uh, wisdom, loving kindness, patience, truthfulness, diligence. I'm not sure if that's ten. Meta, loving kindness, did I say? There's, there's around ten there. But, but they're really, the, the paramis are, are um, sort of the natural expression of who we are when our heart um, and our mind is free of, um, of wanting and not wanting, you know, uh, uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. Um, when when we let go, really, um, it's like sort of just very natural to want to give and want to receive. And I know that you have all experienced that, that freedom from greed, hatred, and delusion, and just that natural expression of, of, of giving and receiving. I... I um, and it's also a practice, because when we, when we begin to consciously look at these, um, we'll look at our mind and look at our heart, and, and, um, and look at the paramis, look at, look at, at just take generosity, um, look at the ways that, for me, I am not generous. You know, I do not want to give, I do not want to receive, and um, so both, to see both. Um, uh, when I can soften into receiving and and um, and allow myself to not be afraid uh, 
that I'm not going to have enough um, and allow myself to give. And, you know, it's not, it's certainly, there's a definitely a layer of the material giving, um, and it's a really good way to see, to, uh, to see where I'm caught up and where I don't want to give, you know, and just the material of um, <laughs> when I don't want to share something uh, because uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. Um, and, uh, and then that joy of letting that go and giving and, and letting go of that fear and knowing that I do, you know, that it's fine. I can give this away. Um, there's a, there's a, a teaching of the Buddha and uh, you may have heard it and I'm just, I, I'm paraphrasing it now, but it's, it's, uh, something along the lines of, um, um, if you knew what, I, what a Buddha knew um, uh, about giving, about generosity, uh, which I don't know what a Buddha knows, but, but if, I, if you knew what a Buddha knew about generosity, um, that you would never, um, um, never have a meal without sharing it. And it's like, wow, you know, to really know that deeply. Um, what I what I f- I feel is the connection between people, um, um, and then that giving allows even just that moment of giving, that, that complete giving over to um, to offering uh, allows a little piece of ourselves to fall away, and um, and when uh, when that that Kathy that me falls away, um, then there's room for everything else. There's room for, for all of you. And, um, and then I can experience that joy of giving and, um, and actually receiving um, your receiving, to be able to receive that gift and to, and to um, And even for just a moment to see what I, I think the Buddha is pointing to in that teaching, that flow of giving and receiving is that it's, um, you know, there's, in Zen, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's also a teaching, um, which is, is it's so curious and it's, it's something to think about. It's, uh, um, there's, no, there's no giver, there's no receiver, um, and there's no gift. Uh, which sounds like, whoa, that's deep. Um, but it's, I think it's pointing to as well that flow, that there's no me and there's no you, and there's really nothing to give because it doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to you. It's just a flow of energy that has taken on a form in this moment. But really, um, when I let go of... Um, my attachment to being the giver or my attachment to the gift, um, then it's just a flow back and forth. And uh, it, sounds, it sounds kind of deep in this, this, you know, this, this Buddhist, this deep Buddhist teaching, but it's really so simple um, as letting go. And I, and I think about it, reflect on my life of the times uh, where it's just been so natural. And I remember as a child where... Uh, I would, uh, I would love to go and um, 
I would think about wanting to give something to like my favorite uncle or uh, my mom or my dad at certain times. And, um, and I was quite young. And back, back then they had five and dime stores that you could really get things for five and dimes. And uh, I remember uh, seeing, I would pass by for, it seemed like, you know, over weeks and in the window of a Ben Franklin, there were these, just these little tiny, they were probably liqueur cups actually, but they were just these little cups and they were those beautiful cobalt blue and cobalt red and they'd sat on the shelf probably gathering dust in the window. I just thought they were the most beautiful things. Um, and, um, and, and seeing that beauty of them, it wasn't about my wanting them, but it was wanting to give them to my beloved uncle. And, uh, um, and I would just see them and I'd go, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just save my, I'll save my money to get those. And, um, and finally I knew I was getting close to being able to do that and to be able to, to go and um, to go in and just every moment was so joyful because I knew that I was going to be able to get it and to, um, to wrap it up and, um, and to offer it to my favorite uncle. And, um, and it wasn't like Kathy wasn't there, um, but it was really just a field of just happiness and the joy of giving and, um, and just knowing that he would be receiving it because he loved me, you know, and we had that, that flow of love. And um, so, it's so it's so simple as that, really. It's, it's, uh, it's um, driving and, um, and allowing somebody in, you know, um, in front of you, the, the morass of traffic, the craziness of traffic, and just saying, oh, you know, feeling that energy of, I gotta, you know, forget it. I'm not. I'm not going to let. I'm not going to let this person in, and just letting go of that, and and breaking the car, and allowing the car, who wants to get over, to get in, and just, you know, yeah, that was the right thing to do. That was the right thing to do, and um, and really, that's a gift. When I do that, that's a gift to myself as well, because there's some ease there instead of that aggressive energy that's got to get there, got to get there, got to get there. And um, as I said, I was a teacher for, for many years, and so I really, watch, uh, I really watch adults and children together and, uh, and the relationship, because this is about relationship, really. Is, um, in this book, it, let me see if I can find it. My goodness, time just goes when I start talking. I didn't think I'd have anything to talk about. Um, Well, it says, One of the long-term benefits is that through generosity, we begin to establish a happier sense around relationship. Um, It's a basic thing we have. um, Mothers, fathers, children, and friends. We are born into relationship experiences, but often our relationships get tarnished by fears, blames and dislikes we imagine we feel more comfortable on our own uh, it says the buddha himself encouraged solitude but that was in an indian society um, where every everyone is so tightly connected through village clan family and caste that someone could lose the sense of being an individual but here in the west it's the opposite um, and your sense of what you belong to ends at the edge of your skin 
uh, which, is, which is one reason why people in the developed countries, in quotes, developed, get to feel so alienated and anxious. Uh, we develop a self-view. You're on your own. Compete and keep it for yourself. And we lost a sense of being part of something meaningful and sacred. And I, I really observe how that is here, uh, well, in the West. And, he, and, and Ajahn Suchito, who wrote this book, is, is, is drawing that comparison. And, um, and I certainly, I certainly uh, fall into that, where, where um, our deepest relationship uh, is with our computer, our TV, um, we're enclosed in the cars, our houses, um, the driveway is what faces the street, the whole, maybe no window, the back of the house is into our backyard, and that's where our whole entertainment system is, and um, it's, it's pretty ingrained, um, this, uh, this disconnection, and, and, and it's amazing, you know, what, 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 what is there in the media and how sophisticated it is and how we, um, in regards to building that relationship between a box or a computer and ourselves. I mean, they really offer some really intimate ways to do that. And, and, uh, and it, um, you know, I really see it as uh, how even that way we want to connect that even in that way we're still looking for connection and we become so closed off, our skin, we don't go beyond our skin, um, that, that we don't know how to, to as much connect to another human being um, or to the air around us, to the outside. It's like it's, it's, I can be inside my house um, uh, or and open the door and go outside and start walk. Just take a walk, and I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm part of this earth. Uh, even 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 the way the mind draws inwards, uh, whether I'm outside or inside. But the way the mind um, just is so caught up in in the preoccupation of thinking and and Kathy, 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 and then it's like I look up. I'm like. There's lots of space around here. It's not just me. And um, I'm in relationship with the world. And so as I, as I began this, talking about being a teacher and, and observing that relationship between people, in this case, uh, children and adults, and, uh, and that gift of receiving uh, a child, uh, what a child has to offer us, and and as I ca- just as I came out of my car and in here this morning, um, uh, there was what I assume was a mother and uh, um, and her young boy, probably around mm, three or four, and uh, and she's holding his hand, and uh, they're walking on the street, and he stopped because there was a big crack in the sidewalk, and he wanted to dig his foot in the crack in the sidewalk, and. And I watched how I could, I could see how there was a way in just watching her hand and how there's a way that she kind of wanted to pull him along. Like, you know, she has to go. They might be going to an appointment. Who knows? Um, but that, that play of the hand, of the pulling and then relaxing. And he's just busy, you know, doing what, what, what children do and really wanting to stop and... and um, and 
how she just stayed with him while he did um, his thing, his kid thing. And what a gift that is to allow him to do that because he's not feeling the pull of the wanting, the grasping, the pulling on, let's go, let's go, which is goodness knows he's going to get enough of that in his life because that's the way life is. Um, um, But as an adult, as a teacher, as a parent, if we can allow the child to just be and to just be with what's happening right here and now, um, for the moments that we can do this in this busy world, um, what a gift that is. You know, what a gift that is to, to allow a child to fully inhabit their body and to be present with what's happening. Um, and then as the adult, as the parent, as the teacher, to just go, oh, yeah, you know, no hurry here. There's no hurry. And this, this time there actually isn't a hurry. Um, uh, I don't need to pull my child along while I'm on my phone, you know, and... and uh, um, I can be here with them and just enjoy what's happening for them in this moment. Um, so being able to receive what the child has to offer as well. Uh, it's, it's quite something. I wish I'd been a teacher before I, when my child was young. I would have learned a lot. <laughs> I would have probably been a better parent, but, you know, um, or maybe as a, as a Buddhist practitioner if I'd had that, informing when my daughter was quite young. Um, but that's okay. I'm noticing that these are um, reflections in different areas because I've been, I've been um, thinking about this as during the 10 days that I managed the uh, retreat and um, watched and interacted with the many monastics on the retreat. And... Um, And they were so grateful, the, uh, the nuns who sat the retreat um, at the end of, at the end of retreats, um, the last couple of days, a kind of a flurry of energy arises. Uh, people know they're going to be leaving, and this, the nuns as well knew they were going to be leaving. And, um, um, and they uh, uh, came to our, the retreat manager's office where myself and the other retreat manager were, um, were doing some of the things on the closing morning that were busy, busy as well. And there's a lot of people there for that retreat. And they uh, came in and um, they offered us a card um, that somehow they'd gotten and, um, and a le- beautiful letter they wrote to Spirit Rock about, um, about the retreat and how important it was for them. And um, and then they, they they this group of just young you know some some couple were quite young, and um, couple had been in robes for many years, and um, and they just they, they did a chant for us, um, uh, and they just they chanted uh, wishing for our liberation you know which is like wow thank you, and. Um, it was really beautiful. It was. It was. I, I don't know if this resonates with you particularly, but what I notice is when people um, when people see these monastics in action, they're inspired. Um, 
most particularly those of us who come to a center such as the self or spirit rock and and so our hearts are leaning in that direction anyway and um, um, I saw uh, I was going through some of the some of the cards out out front with names of, of people who teach here and one of them had Karuna Buddhist Vihara on it and um, one of the nuns who was on this retreat who I knew back before she was a nun um, uh, sh- her name is uh, Aya Santusika, so I'm assuming she probably came here and taught one time or, or more. Um, she has, um, it's called a Vihara. It's in Milbray. And um, a Vihara is a dwelling. It means dwelling. It's, so it's where she lives um, in a little house in the sub- sub- suburbs of Milbray. Um, and she lives there, and she's dependent on the offering of lay people, actually. And um, she's quite something, and, um, and, and she's a Buddhist, you know, she's an ayah, she's a nun. And um, so I'm, I'm telling you this now, actually, just because if anyone, um, afterwards, if you wanted the name of the Vihara, and you ever want to go and offer a meal or receive teachings from her, it's just in Milbray, like in a little suburb in Milbray. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's inspiring to me because, you know, it's, it's not an easy life being a monastic. Um, I think I've said everything and more that I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I have the letter, a copy of the letter that the nuns wrote um, that was in the card. Just look on here and um, I'll just read this, um, this first paragraph. It says, To the Spirit Rock, Spirit, Spirit Rock Board teachers and staff, uh, we wish to thank you for your great generous kindness in freely extending your welcome and support to Theravada female monastics, allowing a great number of us to attend the monastic retreat. The staff went to extraordinary efforts to host us graciously and smoothly, anticipating and meeting every need seemingly effortlessly, like swans gliding gracefully across the water while madly paddling beneath the surface. Uh, blessings to all Spirit Rock folks indeed. You've done a great thing for the sasana, which... I believe is the community, if anyone knows differently, um, for the sasana, which will have ripple effects for years to come. May the wealth of goodness you have generated by this deed lead to your long-lasting benefit, your happiness, comfort, strength, and complete liberation. Signed the bhikkhunis of the monastic retreat. So that ripple effect for years to come, you know... um, who knows how uh, an offering, a gift, a kind word, letting somebody in, letting a child just be a child. Um, who knows that ripple effect? Uh, maybe that's what the Buddha was pointing to when he said, a Buddha, you know, as a Buddha knows if you knew what a Buddha knew about giving, you would give. Um, Thank you.
Thank you for being here and um, receiving and giving back to me. I really appreciate it. It's been lovely to sit here with you as well. I really appreciated the meditation. Um, and I want to know if you have any comments, questions of any of any kind. Feel free. Any words of um, wisdom, near or far, sort of, that um, can help us all out? Doesn't even have to be wisdom. <laughs> I was. I was. Is it, is it on? Maybe the mic's not up. I was uh, struck by your um, feelings of generosity when you were very small, and uh, it was very different in my family, and I was wondering how many siblings you had, because <laughs> I just remember uh, being in competition with my brother for just about everything, and that uh, was sort of the opposite of a generous feeling. Um, I had uh, uh, three siblings. And um, and I can say that uh, uh, that those times of giving were a gift to me because I had um, a lot of competition and a lot of difficulty uh, in my family. And so, as you ask this question, uh, it, it, it allows me to realize that you know really what a gift that is to in some very difficult circumstances, actually, to be able to have those moments of a pure heart, let's say, um, which informed, informs me, informs me now, informed me throughout my life of the, the possibility of um, a pure heart, of a pure moment of giving. Um, as pure as I could, pure as it could be, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a pure moment of giving, no need to qualify it. Um, in a life, in a human life that's fraught with, with um, all sorts of things, pain, sorrow, difficulties, competition, not having. Um... Does that answer your question? Yeah, um, so I'm just wondering uh, what happened in my family, there, or maybe it was not the family environment. Uh, just, but I, don't, I won't have an answer to that. It's just... Uh, um, it just struck me as so different from what I had experienced as a, as a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it strikes me as how important that was to me in a way, to, to, or how informative that was. In, um, yeah, and... Um, Interesting. Maybe you'll you give us some thought and, and um, reflect on, on the ch- your childhood, and maybe something will emerge or not. That that you know, maybe something will emerge. Interesting. Thank you. I find it interesting that you're talking about a monastic retreat because I'm not familiar with that, uh-huh. and. Um, I was wondering how 
the presence of that was different than uh, than a retreat with um, with mindfulness teachers, uh, Western mindfulness teachers, versus were these people Westerners or were they from Asia? They were all Westerners. They were all Westerners. Okay, yeah. But they were monastics. Yes. So was the energy different? What What was? What would you say was specifically different about that type of retreat versus uh-huh. the, the general retreats at Spirit Rock? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you some sort of examples, okay. and maybe that will help paint a picture. Yeah. Uh, um, On a on a uh, on a retreat, generally at Spirit Rock with lay um, lay teachers. Gil teaches there, for example. Um, I, there may be there might be a chanting, like one chant in the evening before we go to bed. Uh, on on um, a monastic retreat, there's a lot of chanting and bowing. There's uh, there's there's early morning chanting. They, as in the monastery, they call it puja. So there's early morning puja. There's evening puja before the evening um, before the evening uh, um, uh, meditation and uh, talk the Dharma talk, and uh, there's the chanting at the meal. Um, there is um, even for a talk, a, a formal Dharma talk, uh, a teacher teacher does not just speak up and talk. They need a formal request in the form of a chant from a lay person. Um, the uh, the teachers if it, often at um, often at Spirit Rock, the teachers may not sit in for every sitting. Um, they may be doing you know they just for different reasons they may not. Uh, it tends to be at the monastic retreat that the teachers are there. Other than interview time, they're there for for or, or they're there for every sitting period. They really engage in. If they they may be doing the walking meditation as well, um, and then there's there's the um, there's the formality that uh, surrounding the meals. So the the spirit rock becomes almost like a monastery in a way for that period of time, less like a lay meditation center and more like a monastery it really becomes uh it's not that there's not uh, there's not pieces of that when we do a retreat but it you know it's it's it takes on that that air and it can be a little bit um a little bit like a monastery in that i i feel the song becomes very the community becomes very strong people become very close. There's a little more eye contact. It's still very silent, but a little more eye contact, a little more communication. Um, uh, like a softening. There's a softening. I was just going to say that. I, I, that's my feeling, is that it, it feels like the environment is, is, is much more conducive to um, generosity, actually. Um, because we have that modeled for us. Sounds wonderful. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, there's you know the the monastery by Gary Buddhist monastery. You can go up there and you can um, go for a day. You can offer a meal, take part in the work ter- period, receive the teachings. It's up in Men- Mendocino yes. County. Yeah, it's quite lovely. Yeah.
I live in Petaluma. Yeah, just north. Yeah. Do you? Um, yeah, I'm just um, enjoying hearing what you have to say and about the thoughts of generosity. And um, I'm remembering things in my own life from my early days when people were generous in small ways to me, as you were describing, just realizing how much I appreciate that and remember it. Um, And what I see now with my grandchildren, um, I have quite a few grandchildren, and for some, there is just so much stuff. I mean, it's like Christmas or whatever it is. There is so much stuff. It's like there's not really the same sense of appreciation with it. I would have to say that. And I don't think my grandchildren are that unique. Um, I have one grandson who's now eight who I take care of um, quite often, um, maybe a weekend a month or something. And since he's been little, when he's with us, and if we're baking cookies or whatever we're doing, he says, I want to take this for my mom. So as, as he's having his time with us, he's sort of saving things to share with his mom, which is really sweet. So I appreciate being reminded of the virtue of generosity and receiving. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for that. It's... Uh, um As I as I was talking about the paramis, uh, the paramis and um, generosity being one of those ten. So in the teachings, uh, that it's um, you know it's yeah the world the world as as it's as it's growing so busy and there's so much and it's all it's all uh, just imagine being a child and and so much stimulation and um, more and more and more and um, it's all. Um, Nothing. La- I mean, we know nothing lasts in Buddhist terms, but 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 it's a disposable disposable society, and uh, so you you the attention span lessens, um, and and to see uh, how your grandson, and yet when he comes and spends some time with you, how he is able to um, soften into. A natural expression of the heart, you know how natural it really is to want to give to your um, mom and um, and how that can be interrupted um, by circumstances, family circumstances, um, how it can be interrupted. Um, by, by this crazy world, uh, uh, by the TV, by the media, um, um, the lack of outdoors, children, children not spending so much time outdoors, which is right there is the whole world and just, you know, the ability to receive um, in a time and space that just... just Children just can all of us can just sink into, and um, instead of just the the natural images of the world, instead of the images that just go go by, you know, in in um, you know, it's it's like it's like the, the the hand and the eyes down. You, I, I mean, I'm sure you all see and and how 
how the texting, yes, where I'm sure that our fingers are going to evolve into little points to allow that. Um, and, you know, you, you look and you see faces downcast, downcast, um, um, because that's what pe- people are doing. I've seen it in the middle of amazing redwood groves and forests, people sitting on benches and texting. And that's, a, that's, you know, that's a judgment I'm making, or I'm sure a judgment is creeping into my voice, perhaps, but it's an observation, really. It's sad, and it's, it's sad, and... Um, um, Ajahn Sachito, who wrote this book, I, I, his first do- the first talk I heard him give was on a tape um, at a meditation center. I was I was sitting in a retreat, um, and he talked about um, um, dukkha, suffering. Dukkha is the Pali word for suffering, um, and. Um, I won't, I won't start talking about that per se, but, but just that, um, that the experience, there's a, so many ways we can experience suffering in and, and ways that we don't even, we're not even really fully aware of the impact on it. And he, in this talk, he went through a day um, of just leaving the house and going to work and coming home and, and all the things that can happen that are a cause of stress, of discontent. Um, and he talked about leaving the house, getting on the subway, going to work, and just people going by, people going by, and no interaction, no acknowledgement. Um, and he called that the dukkha, the suffering of indifference. That here we are amidst um, the world. And... Um, and there's no connection. It's, it's indifference and how that is stressful and painful to our heart, to our body. We hold that, in, we hold that indifference, that suffering in our body. And, and at a retreat center, whether it's a monastic retreat, which is a little more open, or a very silent, like, like, you know, like a Burmese-style um, meditation center, um, I, I shouldn't say I haven't been to Burma, and, and Spirit Rock has a little bit of that. Let's say centers, you know, I can talk about centers like Spirit Rock or, uh, you know, these Western centers. Um, but that um, even in the silence, even though we don't touch each other and make eye contact, um, we are immersed in the practice of, of, um, of looking at, you know, of our hearts being, the willingness to have our hearts be opened and... and Allow these uh, par- these paramis, these these um, states, these wholesome states to be, and so as silent as, as silent as it is, as 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 much as we aren't looking at each other, making eye contact, there's connection. Uh, on a retreat, I may not talk to anybody. I may sit with them retreat after retreat, and when we finally do talk, it's like, oh, it's been so great to. To, to get to know you and to sit with you even though we didn't talk and I love you and you feel so held up by everybody even if you're not don't say a word at all you feel so supported by the community because of that wholesome purpose that we have um, and so all that, that that dukkha that suffering of indifference you know these are all of us who really are looking for connection as well and um, 
I, I, even if they don't know, even if we don't know, we want connection. And, you know, it's like, much rather go home and, and look at a TV screen than try to connect. But, but then, um, you know, wanting to give a gift to mom when it's, 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 we're so, I feel, I feel like we're always so close to really what's wholesome and healthy and freeing, you know, it's just, there's layers, but boy, we're all, as the Buddha taught, you know, we all have the capacity to be free. I, I know that. Um, I think that, gosh, well, we're getting close. Does anyone have any last question or comment? Do you want to? <laughs> Hi. Hi, thank you. It's a wonderful hour. Um, in the Buddha's day, there was no electronics and exposure to uh, what's becoming a global community. Sure. And a lot of the dukkha that you describe is, or uh, or indifference that you describe, is that we we become more aware of the suffering on a, on a worldwide level mm-hmm. a lot of the needs and our our generosity can also extend uh, globally now as well uh, our various interests in, in giving and volunteering may be um, international and the communication can be intercontinental real time so given that the Buddha didn't have that exposure in today's Environment. I know your descriptions of that that pure pureness of heart are coming out real time in the immediate community that you're with. Mm-hmm. Would it be a stretch to say that would be a priority as far as uh, the generosity of spirit, uh, or is, is, is there some way to also feel that connection globally? Or would you prioritize just giving and being generous with that real-time uh, presence that we're practicing, you know, being here and now? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're here and now with the, the immediate people we're with. Um, or could you also integrate that here and now with that awareness of this evolution of, of uh, need on a larger scale and give mm-hmm. to, to, to the greater um, good also. Mm-hmm. It's complicated, but I, 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 we have to prioritize our, our generosity and our sensitivity and our, right. giving, and our yeah. giving and our... Yeah, yeah I, I, I've, I've explored that quite a bit. Um, I, think that, um, I think that the giving here and now in the simple ways um, can be... To be able to, to, to feel into that, to know what that feels like, can be really helpful and, and, and informative and, and kind of be pra- practice, right? Allow, even if it's just allowing yourself to see it happening, like, oh, wow, I, you know, I, I really was able to receive that or, or, or um, um, letting someone in, in traffic, for example, it's, and feeling that energy of not wanting to. Um, so... 
and doing and coming here and, and, and doing the practice that we do here and, and learning to be still and seeing the places that we're caught, the places that, that are, are pain and also the places of giving. And, and um, um, so that can build a foundation of strength um, that allows, uh, allows, has allowed me anyway to look more out into the world, what's going on into the world. Um, I, I believe that, that people, um, some people are really, that is a strength of theirs to be able to, you know, fearlessly go out into the world and, and, and change the world. Um, on either community levels or world, or look look at what's happening in the world. The media is telling us what's going on. For myself, um, I tend to stay more inward, more in the, my community. Um, I I found what where um, where my heart and my skills can can um, can go to. Children, for example. Um, I go into jails with meditation as well. So what is, um, where I can put my, um, where I can put my my passion to give. Um, And I learned that. I learned learned how to do that um, in a way that still I can take care of myself through through the development of this practice. Um, So I think that that we can learn where, um, how it can best, how we can best do that, and still take care of ourselves. Um, yeah, I think it's a balance, a, a, a play between the two, because we can go way in that direction, way into the world direction, and not take care of what's happening here. Um, and then there's um, there's really seeing the wisdom having the wisdom to, um, to know where we can help and where we can't help. Does that, is that help at all? Yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, thank you everybody. It's been lovely to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming on this Tuesday morning. Please take good care of yourselves.